Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Fans First Sports Network and our recap of the 2023 NFL Draft for each division. My name is Brian Anthony Davis of Fans First Sports Network and the Steel Curtain Network. And I am joining in with my compadres, Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts, as I feel that I can only try to absorb the incredible draft knowledge that these dudes have. And now it's time to take a look at that very intriguing AFC South in episode five of eight. Let's meet these guys. You know them, but we got to get reacquainted with Jeremy Betts. Jeremy, how's the pipes? You know, it's one of those things. I keep getting this cough over and over and over, and I just hope that I can make it through and give you guys the information that you need because this is an intriguing group of classes here in the AFC South, and I think we're going to see some teams really rise up out of the ashes potentially but I just hope I can make it through tonight with uh, somewhat of a voice left over. Well, we will pick you up in Andrew Wilbar's voice. I already heard yeah. it. It sounds pretty good. Clears He's ready to go. Andrew, how are you feeling tonight? I'm doing well. Officially done with two years of college. It's all in the books. So excited to talk some AFC South. You know what? I have got to give you mad props and congratulations. I was saying the same thing, but it was 1993 when Ooh. I was all done. That's when I graduated from college. But <laughs> you got to make me feel young, Andrew. And you have all the knowledge, you and Jeremy, so I can't wait to hear it. Let's talk about this intriguing division. I'm going to ask you both first, as we get started, your overview of how you feel this division went. Yeah, I just did a Power Rankings article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. So if you want to check that out and see kind of where I have these teams ranked, it's such a unique division because none of these teams really wanted a playoff spot last year except Jacksonville. And when you look at the draft classes, though, from each of these teams, you had two of these teams picking in the top four, 
the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts and both selected potentially future franchise quarterbacks. So the outlook for them just goes up. And then you're talking Jacksonville who turned in another solid draft, added key pieces where they needed. So I think you're going to see overall in a very improved division. The Titans to me feel like the team that could end up in last place in this division, just based on where they're at, at the quarterback position with Houston and Indianapolis making strides that I think are a little higher, better quality. So I think that those two teams end up with a little bit better season overall in 2023 based on their draft classes, which I thought were phenomenal. Yeah. I think that it really comes down to the quarterbacks. I mean, Tennessee, they end up bringing in Will Levis in the second round who could potentially be the best value of any of these quarterbacks. But then again, there are a lot of concerns that come with Will Levis. There was a reason why he dropped so far. So it's going to be interesting to see. You have this division who has now three rookie quarterbacks. We'll see how many of them play in year one. C.J. Stroud almost definitely. The other two will wait and see. But it's a very young division as it pertains to the quarterbacks, and it's really anyone's game. We think Jacksonville is the team to beat, but there's still a lot of unknowns with them, from Calvin Ridley coming back to just the moving pieces on the defensive side of the football. All these teams added at positions of need. This is division I still feel is anyone's division, although Jacksonville does feel like the favorite. Well, let's talk about who I think is the most intriguing. It looks like their rebuild is underway. It's the Houston Texans mm-hmm. in the first round. They went with C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, the 6'3 quarterback, and he was the number two overall pick. And we thought, well, let's see what this team does at number 12. But lo and behold, a huge trade with the Arizona Cardinals. They get one of the most fantastic linebackers, uh, overall defenders in the entire class of 2023. It's Will Anderson from Alabama. In the second round, they come back with an offensive lineman. It's Juice Scruggs from Penn State. Nathaniel Dell of Houston was their third round pick. In the fourth, they went with Dylan Horton from the TCU defensive line. Also in the fifth, they took another Alabama player. This time it was Henry Toa Toa the inside linebacker in the sixth, an offensive lineman, Jared Patterson from Notre Dame and Iowa States, Xavier Hutchinson, the wide receiver. They rounded out with Brandon Hill at number seven from the Pitt Panthers. Jeremy, who was your favorite pick from the Houston Texans here? If you know me at all, though, I'm going to go with my Ohio State boy because I thought CJ Stroud was the best quarterback in this draft class. And with the Texans not picking number one, still landing, in my opinion, the first quarterback that should have been off the board, you've got to consider that a success. And the reason I I really like his fit in Houston is that he's just going to deliver the ball where it needs to go. He's got so much experience in college at one of the best programs in the country. And then you look at the, the schemes that he worked with. He's seen it all. And I think that he's going to step in right away and be the best quarterback Houston has had since Deshaun Watson's heydays. It's not too far removed, but you've seen several quarterbacks come through there. This guy has a chance to be really, really good, really, really fast. Probably the most pro-ready of any of the quarterbacks in this draft, in my opinion. Andrew, the Texans, you going in a different direction. I'm going to go with Will Anderson. I do have concerns about Stroud that especially came out after the cognitive test. There are some concerns there with just his processing ability. Uh, With Anderson, I didn't necessarily love the idea of trading up to the third pick after you already had the second pick, but Anderson was my top player on the board in the entire draft. 
he's going to be an immediate day one starter, a guy who's going to have 10 sacks off the edge consistently each year, solid against the run, has enough size to be able to add a little bit more weight to his frame. I really like his fit in Houston, obviously, with D'Amico Ryans coming in. You know, some people compare him to D'Amico Ryans, some physically. The fit there, he can step in immediately, and Houston hasn't had a great pass rusher since J.J. Watt. So this is their opportunity to get a premier guy, and I think they hit home. I tell you what, there's a lot to like about this draft, but there's also concerns, and everybody has them. Jeremy, who's the player here that you're concerned the most about as a least favorite for this entire class? I think I got to go with the Penn State kid, Juice Scruggs, center. Just because of where they selected him, I thought that he's definitely not a top a top two-round selection. And when you talk about some of the other centers that were selected in the second round, he just kind of didn't add up and, and match the, the skill set, the level of these guys. And I think you could have waited and let the board come to you a little bit better and take him later in the draft. So that's why I would I would say Juice Scruggs is more of a value thing. I don't hate the player. I think he could be a good player. He already projects as their starting center over, I believe, Questenberry, who was their, their starter last year. So that's something to keep an eye on. If he's a, a, a year one starter, then then you've got, you know, maybe that value of the pick goes out the window a little bit. But when you're just looking at the grade that he was given, the, the outlook for him going into the draft, it was a bit of a reach to take him in the second round, especially with so many other needs on the board for Houston. Gentlemen, I've been listening to your shows. And one thing I want to point out is something that you always point out, but I'm going to put it in Brian terms here. I love ice cream. There's no bad ice cream to me. But if you gave me a chance yeah. to go ahead and rank ice creams, I'd probably put a vanilla at the bottom of it because I want like chocolate raspberry and I want Rocky road and I want moose tracks and all of that. But so to me, it's just the one that, you know, I'm still going to rock with vanilla. I'm going to love it, but there's always the one that's your least favorite that you just don't think fits. Andrew, who's your least favorite. I'm going with Nathaniel Dell. There were a lot of good receivers still available. Dell there's concerns about his durability, his lack of size. He doesn't have elite speed. He's quick in and out of his cuts, but he's not physical. He has no physicality off the line, and his hands are spotty at best. It had a lot of drops on tape. I have concerns about this fit. I felt like Houston, if they could have added another bigger receiver to pair with Nico Collins on the outside, that would have made more sense because they already have John Mechie, guy who can play in the slot or outside, but I like him better in the slot. So I'm not sure exactly where Nathaniel Dell fits. Just felt like he's more of a going to be a gadget guy for them. And it felt like his is a slight reach. Jeremy, who's the best value pick for Houston in this draft? I'm going to go Brandon Hill out of pit because I think you're talking about the fastest safety in the class. I think he's got a lot of playmaking ability. And when you look at the players that were selected in that range, he stood out to me as, as a guy that the fact that he was still there with the 31st pick in the seventh round was surprising to me. I thought he could go a lot earlier than that, as early as maybe even the fifth round. So you're talking about value there for your team, a guy who can do a lot of different things. And that athleticism just pops off the screen when you watch the tape, when you watch his workout. So I think he was fantastic value for them with uh, one of the last picks of the draft. Andrew, who are you going value-wise here? For value, I really like Xavier Hutchinson with their other late-round picks. He's not an elite athlete. There's not one aspect of his game that you look at and it's just like, oh my goodness, this guy is 
phenomenal. But he does everything extremely well. He has solid hands. He has good body control down this field. I just like him overall as a prospect. I felt he was solid value. There are concerns about how well he'll be able to separate as he gets further in his route. Uh, but overall, I thought he rounded out the Texans draft nicely. I feel like he's going to be able to contribute relatively early on because they don't have that much depth at wide receiver in Houston. Let's go ahead and break out the red pens. Let's grade them. Jeremy? I'm going to go A-. minus. They had some questionable shots in the middle, mentioning Juice Scruggs, in, in my opinion there, and Andrew mentioning Tank Dell. But I think when you land two of the top five players, almost consensus, yeah, you gave up a first-round pick next year, but you still have a first-round pick next year as well. I think that that is, is fantastic value for your team. You're talking about building blocks and foundational players that you can build off of for hopefully the next 10, 12 years with both of these guys, maybe more if you're talking quarterback longevity these days. So I think you got to give them a good grade for getting better and, and adding foundational building blocks to, to grow on. Andrew, you're in college. Do they still go up to the wall? Is it posted on a piece of paper what your grades are for your tests? No. Well, uh, I guess that was the 90s then. Usually get we get them, you know, next class period or whatever, and we figure out in class, gets passed out. But for the Texans specifically, I'm going to give them a B plus. Getting Will Anderson, CJ Stroud in and of itself, you have to put that into consideration. The fact they still have their first round pick. But I will say... After Juice Scruggs, I'm a little bit higher on that pick than Jeremy is. But after that, really did not love any of the picks. Dylan Horton was okay. Hutchinson, we mentioned, is good value. Really, overall, I felt like they could have done much better in the later portions of day two, early portions of day three. They had enough draft picks to really make this a home run draft. I don't feel they really did that. But coming away with two premier players, I'm going to give it a B plus. One of the four teams is in the books, and that's the Houston Texans. Now we're going to check out with a team that drafted fourth overall and it was the indianapolis colts they were four and 12 last year and they brought home who might be their next starting quarterback and it's anthony richardson out of florida in the first round julius brant's a guy that i was high on out of kansas state in the third josh downs north carolina tar heel wide receiver lake freeland was the first of two fourth round picks and he is an offensive lineman from BYU, from Northwestern. At a Tommy, at a Barre, the defensive lineman. Darius Rush was fifth in the fifth round, defensive back out of South Carolina. A lot of fifth round picks. They had four of them. They went with Daniel Scott, the safety from Cal, Will Mallory, the tight end from Miami, and Evan Hull, the running back from Northwestern. They double dipped with Northwestern players here. In the sixth, Titus Leo, the linebacker from the Wagner Seahawks, and Jalen Jones at number seven from Texas A&M, followed by offensive lineman Jake Witt. Andrew, I'm going to start with you. What was your overall perception of the best player and favorite selection from this draft from the Indianapolis Colts? Not everyone's going to like this, but I love the Anthony Richardson selection. I think he's a perfect yes. fit in Indianapolis. He doesn't have to start right away. Obviously, Gardner Minshew coming along with Shane Steichen. It allows him to sit for a full year if need be. Will that happen? I'm not sure. But I think Anthony Richardson needs to redshirt an entire year. If he's going to redshirt anywhere, this is the situation for him. He doesn't have to be forced in immediately. I don't feel as if the Colts are ready to win now. They filled a lot of needs, and I think they had one of the best drafts of any team in the entire NFL. 
But there are a lot of things with this team that was wrong last year. It's going to take more than one year to fix it. So I don't think they need to hurry Anthony Richardson in, give him this year to redshirt. They may not be great this year, but then you're picking high in the draft next year. But overall, I felt like they came away with an excellent draft led, though, by Anthony Richardson, who, if he develops properly, could be easily a top three quarterback in the NFL. Who's Jeremy's fave? Well, before I get to that, Andrew, I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit there. I think Anthony Richardson is going to be the week one starter for Indianapolis in 2023. And I think that they're planning on rolling this guy out and letting him learn on the go. But I understand the concerns, obviously. I just think that the way the Colts operate, the way Jim Ursay runs that organization, Anthony Richardson, there's going to be a lot of pressure to play him, especially after the preseason when you see those traits hit the field, all the talk coming out of training camp. I think he's going to start week one, whether or not that's prudent of them or not. I, I do think he will. I really like the Richardson pick, so I agree with you on that being a favorite pick. But I'm going to go with Atabare in the fourth round. That, to me, a guy that I had projected and many others have projected back into the first round, early second round player falling to the fourth round for the skill set that he has and the way the, the Colts like to put their players on the field on defense on, along the front line. He fits exactly the mold of a physical, fast, elite athlete. DeForest Buckner kind of is the mold for that. He's a little bigger, obviously, than Adabare is. But when you're talking what he can do when he can bounce outside to the edge, when he can move inside a little bit as well, the versatility, but the athleticism, what they're going to try to do with him on, on the defensive side of the ball, he can be special and he could be an impact player for them very quickly. He's my favorite pick outside of Anthony Richardson. Do you have a concern with this draft for the Colts, Andrew? I really don't have any major concerns, although I will say Jalen Jones, even though the value technically matches, there are concerns about his athleticism at corner. They may need to move him to safety. Of course, they drafted Daniel Scott, another safety earlier on. Didn't feel like they needed to draft another safety. So it looks like they're going to try him at corner, but I'm not sure he has the athleticism to hold up there, has decent ball skills. It's one of those picks that when you love a draft, you have to find one that isn't your favorite pick. And I would say if I had to choose a least favorite pick, it'd be Jalen Jones. Who's your least favorite, Jeremy? It's really hard. You'll see when we grade this, this is one of my favorite drafts of the entire NFL. So I'm going to go with Titus Leo out of Wagner. I didn't know much about him. He wasn't on my radar really as a prospect. And for him to go in the sixth round over some of the other linebacker prospects that I had higher hopes for and thoughts that they might be impact players potentially, especially on special teams. So Titus Leo kind of stands out as the huh pick in this draft a little bit. But if you had to look at him and say why, he had 32 and a half tackles for loss last year. So, I mean, he was crushing his competition level. So if you're just talking about, you know, what he brings to the table, still there's there's no reason to hate the pick. Let's go ahead and check out who brings the most value to the Indianapolis Colts here. Andrew, let's do it. I'm going with Jeremy's favorite pick out of Tommy Wall Adabare. And I, the only reason I, he wasn't my favorite pick was because Anthony Richardson overall, I feel could be a better player, but at Tommy Wall Adabare, top 35 player in this draft, in my opinion, absolutely loved him. His athleticism off the edge. I honestly think they should keep him on the edge personally outside of in the run game. And even in the run game, allowing him to play a little bit lower could help him, but just his skill set with his speed around the edge, his initial burst, I like him as an edge rusher. Most people are projecting him inside. I think he stays outside. Absolutely wonderful draft. Absolutely love where they got Adabari. Maybe the best value pick of any team in the league. 
Who's the bets value here, Jeremy? I had to do it. It's, sorry. There you go. Yeah, that's great. It's Darius Rush to me. The cornerback out of South Carolina I was really high on him throughout the draft process. Thought he could be an early day two pick. He falls into the fifth round, and you land a cornerback with length, with speed, with athleticism, a very fluid player. When you saw him at the combine, he just lit it up, and you could see the natural movement skills there. A lot of people thought that maybe teams that were looking for a speedy, long cornerback could pass on some of the earlier guys and still land a guy like this in third round. Well, you got him in the fifth. If you're Indianapolis, you've got to be ecstatic with that fantastic pick for them in the fifth round. All right. Nice to hear. So it's time to grade. And Professor Wilbar, you're on the clock. They get an A. I have no complaints with this draft at all. One of the best three drafts. I think you look at Philadelphia, look at Pittsburgh, and you look at Indianapolis. These are three teams that absolutely knocks it out of the park in this draft. Colts right there at the top. Jeremy Betts, do you concur? I do. It's an A across the board for me. I mean, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five out of their first seven picks could be plus starters for them within the first two years. And you're talking about contributors for a long time. This draft class has a chance to kind of match the Seattle Seahawks loaded class of 2022, in my opinion. All right. Fantastic. Gentlemen, we've got two down. We've got two to go. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. And we are going to do that right after this. Stay right here on the AFC South Draft Recap from Fans First Sports Network. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to Fans First Sports Network. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, but the stars of the show in the draft recap are our very own Andrew Wilbar from Fans First Network and from Steel Curtain Network. Also from FFSN and SCN, it's our very own Jeremy Betts. They are breaking down the AFC South draft. It's been a good one so far. Can we keep it going with Jacksonville? They won the division last year. They are nine and eight. And I got to tell you, they're a team that a lot of eyes are on this year. They're playing twice in London next year. But are they going to bring something special home to the States? Let's go ahead and take a look at them. They made a few trades in the first round and got all the way down to 27 before they finally picked. It was Anton Harrison, Oklahoma Sooner offensive lineman. Then Brenton Strange came in, Penn State Nittany Lion with their number two pick. With number three, Auburn Tiger, Tank Bigsby, the running back. Two picks in the fourth round, Ventrell Miller, linebacker from Florida, and Tyler Lacey, a defensive end from Oklahoma State. In the fifth round, two picks once again. Yasir Abdullah from Louisville, the linebacker. Defensive back Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. And another Penn State Nittany Lion, Parker Washington, in the sixth round. Christian Braswell went in the sixth round as well as they took two defensive backs in the sixth. Eric Hallett, too. Braswell from Rutgers. Hallett from Pitt. Then three picks in the seventh round. Cooper Hodges, the offensive lineman from Appalachian State, the North Carolina Tar Heel defensive tackle, Raymond Vahasek, 
and Derek Parrish rounds it out in the seventh round from the Houston Cougars. He's a defensive lineman. Jeremy, who's your favorite pick from this huge haul for Jacksonville, the AFC South champs? This one's tough, but I'm going to go with Antonio Johnson, safety out of Texas A&M in the fifth round. To me, that's really good value. You're talking about a player who is versatile. He's rangy and long, six foot two, 198 pounds. He plays up in the box as like a big nickel, really owns that role very well, but he can also drop back and be rangy on the back end. He's got very good size, very good range, really just because of how he played at Texas A&M and his instincts and recognition skills are really, really good. So I really like Antonio Johnson in the fifth round. I think he's got serious upside and can help them very quickly with his versatility. So many picks, Andrew. So many places to put your favorite on. Who's it going to be? Going with Parker Washington, the wide receiver from Penn State. He is a physical slot receiver. I believe I had a fourth-round grade on him. They were able to get him in the sixth round. Thought it was incredible value. Gained him where they did it. Some people were even higher on him than I was. Uh, Some people projected him to go day two. He wasn't the most productive at Penn State. Part of that was due to inconsistent quarterback play. Sean Clifford did not have the greatest of seasons this past year. I think that played in part of it. But we had seen games where Washington would just go off. And I believe he was one of the secretly more explosive receivers in this class. Question is, can he learn to separate late in the route, which is the same as some of the other receivers within this division that we've already talked about. But he's built, he has a low center of gravity, and he has outstanding vision in the open field. So do not be surprised if this guy takes snaps at running back this next year as well. I expect Jacksonville to utilize him some in the backfield as a guy who can also pass protect, surprisingly. Wow, that's really interesting to hear. Let's go ahead and take a look at that least favorite pick. Once again, maybe not the worst player, but just the one that you felt just didn't fit here as well as the others. Jeremy? I'm going to go with their first-round pick, Anton Harrison, and it's more about the upcoming suspension of Cam Robinson, their potential starting left tackle that they were hoping would be the guy for them. They backed themselves into a corner, felt they had to really take a player, and I think they might have reached a little bit for Harrison, who I had more of a mid-second round grade on. Didn't love him as a first-round prospect, but you can't kill it too much because obviously it became a position of need for them. They needed to, to make sure that they secured their guy, so I understand why you make the move, but it was one of those out of necessity picks that you hope you don't have to make as a GM, as a coach. And I think if the Cam Robinson issue hadn't popped up so late in the process that you probably see the Jaguars maybe go a different direction in the first round. So he's somebody that you're, you're hoping kind of just works out, but it, it was a little bit of a reach for me and it felt like a, a panic pick. You know, those panic picks, they happen, and that's why some teams feast on these guys with trades. Mm. So what are you thinking here, Andrew, as your least favorite of the Jacksonville Hall? I'm going with defensive lineman Tyler Lacey from Oklahoma State. They took him in the fourth round, 130th overall. I thought there was a good chance he could go undrafted. Uh, I felt this was a serious reach. Nothing about his game sing starter in my head i see him as a backup at best that there's a possibility he doesn't even make the roster he doesn't have the biggest frames he doesn't do a good job of gaining leverage in out of his stance he's a little bit sluggish at times just sloppy overall 
didn't really understand the pick, especially in the fourth round. Where you have those that are your least favorite, then you have those value picks that you do real well. That bargain shelf is always really good, and you're like, I can't pass this up. Jeremy, what's yours for Jacksonville? For me, it's Andrew's favorite pick, and that's Parker Washington. Just like he said, some were higher on Parker Washington than even he was. I was one of those guys, so I really love the value here. One of my top seven or eight wide receivers in this class. I think the scheme versatility and his physicality, he's not huge, but he plays with a nasty demeanor. I thought he would, as as a guy who covers the Steelers with the Steel Curtain Network, I thought he played a Steeler brand of football. And so the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to really appreciate that intensity. I think he could push for starting snaps in the slot pretty quickly. So let's go ahead and look at Andrew's value pick here. I got to go with Yasir Abdullah, linebacker from Louisville. This guy played off the edge a lot in college. I don't think he has the length to play the edge in the NFL, but he has enough instincts and enough run defending ability to play inside linebacker in the NFL. And he has the athleticism to do it. Ran in the four fours in the 40. This guy's got outstanding athleticism. He's very fluid, especially as a very fluid back pedal. Very good in both man and zone coverage, and we've seen his ability to defend the run. He can do a little bit of everything, and obviously with his experience on the edge, he knows how to get after the quarterback as well. Does a good job of using his hands. Does a good job of disengaging in the run game. I absolutely love this pick. I think this guy can be a starter, and you can line him up just about anywhere. All right, let's fill out the report card here. And, Jeremy, you're first to do it. I'm going to go B-. minus. It wasn't a flashy draft class. I think they did make that panic pick at the top. But you've got contributors, and for a team that kind of played the offseason to really run it back with the group that they had, they added some people that I think will help the team overall, especially on the defensive side of the ball. One of the picks I liked was Brenton Strange, not necessarily where he was picked, but what he can provide for that offense next to Evan Ingram, who's the pass-catching tight end. When you talk about Strange being able to block, work in that part of the passing game with his physicality and athleticism. so. I don't hate the draft class, but I'm going to give it a B minus because I I do think that there were several picks here that were either reaches or they didn't let the board necessarily fall to them. They drafted more for need. So it was one of those types of drafts for me. It was just kind of like a little bit of a reach with every, every pick. All right, Andrew, where are you going to go? I'm going to go C plus. I didn't like it necessarily i thought they did an excellent job in the fifth and sixth rounds coming away with four promising players but at the top we are talking about andy harrison strange i like tank bigsby i like but there were better running backs available i just felt like with the amount of selections they had they did not come away with any home run picks and that's a problem for me three of the four done there's one more and they are the tennessee titans they were seven and ten last year let's go ahead and take a look at their picks There are a lot of surprises here for me. Let's go ahead to the top. Peter Skaronsky in round one out of Northwestern, the 11th overall pick, the offensive lineman. Is he a tackle, a guard? Well, we're going to find out what Tennessee wants to do with him. At number two in the second round, they traded up to get this guy. And Will Levis, who was waiting a long time to be picked for the Kentucky Wildcats, well, He went to Tennessee. He's the QB, and it's going to be really interesting to see what he does there. Not a lot of picks after the trades. Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane, went in the third round. In the fifth, it was Josh Weil from Cincinnati, the tight end. In the sixth, Jalen Duncan, the offensive lineman from Maryland. 
And to round it out for the AFC South and the Tennessee Titans, it's Colton Dowell from Tennessee Martin. Did you guys know they were called the Skyhawks? That's news to me. Andrew, do you know that? Come on, that seems like something you'd know. I got to confess, I do not. Oh, wow. Man, I should have told you I knew it all along that I have a Tennessee Skyhawks t-shirt. Let's get into this. Andrew, who's your favorite player from here? I'm going to go with Ty J Spears, running back from Tulane. And Jeremy and I talked about this guy a little bit during the pre-draft process. I went to the scouting combine, got to talk to this guy. This was the most fun guy I got to talk to during the press interviews. One interviewer, he had gone away to another podium. One of the other reporters asked, well, what, what teams have you met with so far? He's like, well, I was going to tell that other dude, but he already left. So then he just goes on spouting the teams. He spends like a whole minute just trying to think <laughs> of the teams that he met with. And he's thinking for like 30 seconds, like, I know there's one more. There's one more. I can't think of it. And like, well, I'll get back with you. And then he looks at me, oh, my Steelers jacket. He's like, it wasn't the Steelers, though. And then I asked him about, you know, his favorite memory. He gave insight about that. I finally got to ask him, who's the funniest guy in the locker room? He's like, funniest guy? I'm like, well, outside of you, of course. He's like, you think I'm funny, bro? And I'm like, I mean, the media was just laughing. I mean, it, it, I love Tajay Spears. He's got the personality. The players are going to absolutely love him inside this locker room. He's the perfect compliment to Derrick Henry. Obviously, they brought in last year Hassan Haskins, another power back. They have some power options in the backfield, but they needed some guy to change the pace, a guy who can add an element of speed, and a guy who's improved his hands. He didn't, he wasn't used much as a pass catcher in college, but a guy who proved it out in the senior bowl that he can catch some passes and be dangerous as a receiving back as well. So I felt this was a great landing spot for him. Jeremy, where are you at as far as a fave? My favorite was Skaransky. I loved it that they didn't reach for the quarterback in the first round and that they grabbed a guy who was kind of falling down boards a little bit just because the physical build concerns were were legitimate. The the length was is a concern that teams are gonna have. But I think when when you're Tennessee and you can really use help at guard and tackle, he can be a part of your best five right away. And I think even if he weren't to land in the NFL on his feet as an offensive tackle, I think you're talking about a guy who can play guard for a long time and be very good at it. When you're talking about Tennessee needing to kind of readdress the trenches with a guy who can just kind of fit in wherever they need him, this guy can do that. And he's got that versatility and he's got the pedigree and the tape that really jumps out at you that that he could be really good in the NFL. So he's my favorite pick for the Titans this year. Okay, very good. Let's go ahead and look at a least favorite. And Andrew, I'm starting with you. I'm going to go with your Tennessee Martin guy, Colton Dowell. Now, I didn't know anything about their mascot, but I will tell you, this guy, he's, <laughs> he's not a bad athlete, but he's extremely raw. Not a great route runner, not refined at all. Hands, spotty, inconsistent production. I did not really have any major issues with the Titans draft, and they didn't have that many draft picks to choose from. So since I didn't hate any, I'm going to go with that. Don't think that's because I hate the pick, but I did feel like there were better receivers. Bryce Ford Wheaton being one of the guys who ended up falling undrafted, I felt would have been a home run pick for them uh, that I felt like they missed out there. If you want a, to just peg what Andrew's going to say, if you see a seventh-round wide receiver, he's going to hate that it. as his least Let's favorite Bryce pick Ford because Wheaton. Bryce Ford Wheaton went undrafted. <laughs> that's going to be it every time. <laughs> Up on the clock for value pick, it's Andrew. I got to go Will Levis. Not everyone's going to love the pick. Not everyone's going to necessarily hate it. But at the end of the day, in the second round, you can't beat that value. A guy who is projected to go potentially top 10 
and there were rumors that the Titans were looking to move up all the way to number three to get this guy. People knew that they had interest, but how much interest? Well, it wasn't enough interest to take him in the first round, but getting him where they did in that early portion of the second round, the pressure's off now at this point. If he doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, you want an early second round pick to turn out. You're expecting him to become a starter, but the Malik Willis thing, they ruined Malik Willis. Quite frankly, they did a horrible job with the Malik Willis situation they realize that it is not going to work out there. If he, I don't think Malik Wilson is going to go anywhere at this point. He doesn't have any confidence. Will Levis, hopefully they do it right this time. They have a new general manager. They have a new regime in the front office. We'll see if they do it right this time with Levis, a guy who has a bunch of talent, if he can just keep his head on right. So, Jeremy, who's your value pick? My value pick is Jalen Duncan out of Maryland, the offensive tackle. A lot of pundits had him as one of their top three or four tackles in this draft, especially early on when talking through the class. And he's got versatility, I think, to where he can play either side. And getting him in the sixth round, I think he's got a potential to push even more with the Titans' front five and be a good source of competition at the very least and maybe even steal one of these spots, make a roster as a swing tackle. If you're looking for a guy kind of the opposite of, of Skaronsky where talking prototypical size and everything, Duncan has more of the prototypical length that you're looking for from the position as opposed to Skaronsky. So they could pair up on, say on the left side of the line of scrimmage for years to come, Jalen Duncan, the left tackle, Peter Skaronsky, the guard. I think you've got a good situation there. If you're the Titans, he's my value pick for them. All right. Fantastic. Let's go ahead and get the grades. Andrew put pen to paper here. Are we going to break some hearts for Tennessee or are we going to make their summer? I'm giving them a B and a grade would be higher if not for the fact that they surpassed edge rusher entirely. And that's a position that they desperately needed to address, arguably their biggest need. They did not address it at all. I felt like that was one area that they better hope that someone gets cut pre-regular season because they are going to need to add someone if they want to contend in this division. Let's go ahead and go to Mr. Betts. What are you thinking? They didn't have many picks, but the fact that they were able to land potentially the quarterback of the future in the second round and still land a top talent in the entire draft in Peter Skaronsky in the first, I'm going to go with a B as well, along with Andrew there. I think that they did pretty well with the picks that they had. It's one of those things where you, you give an initial grade based on the value of the selections based on the types of players that they were able to get based on how we ranked them in the pre-draft process. But then two years, three years down the road, we'll be able to look back at this one. And if Will Levis hits, this turns into an A because you got him in the second round. But if he doesn't hit, then maybe this turns into a C minus because then you've spent high draft capital on a guy who didn't work out and you ruined a potential quarterback one in the process with Malik Willis. Like Andrew mentioned, there's rumors that he – could be a cut candidate for this team potentially. So if it pays off, then the front office looks good. Rand Carthon looks good. Vrabel looks good. But if not, then talking about a, a team that that could have some issues. So I don't want to give it a, a terrible grade, but I'm, I'm not going to pump it up too much either. It's a B for me. Wow, it's amazing the difference a year makes. Well, gentlemen, that was fantastic. I appreciate greatly. I know so much more about the AFC South now, and that's something that I'm going to have to really pay attention to with my team playing the AFC South. I feel like I really have 411 on these guys. With that being said, it's time to get on out of here. Andrew, 
thank you so much. Thank you. It was fun. Jeremy, it's been a pleasure. Yes, it has. Let's do it again. All right. And we are going to do it again. So make sure you check out later on this week. We're going to have the conclusion of the South. It's going to be the NFC South for Andrew. For Jeremy, my name is Brian Anthony Davis, and keep rooting for whoever you want to. Time to stop and check them out.